Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. dedicated to Henry Foreman. In the year of the final the mammoth and horse, the man was the lord of the earth. He made him an hollow skin from the heart of a holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, the man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for hire, he drove the celestial team, and man was the lord of the Well, 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 good evening, good afternoon, good whatever, good whomever, good however I may find you. This is Alan Averill. This is Agitators Anonymous, episode 71. As you might hear from my voice, it's a little bit shredded because I've been doing some singing. Indeed, finally, after about 10 or 9 or 10 months, uh, Primordial finally started rehearsing. I've been posting a few videos of that on my Instagram if you want to follow me at Nemthianga underscore primordial. But yes, we've been rehearsing for the Resurgence Festival um, gig with Sayre, Hellripper and Fenn, among others, in London on the 28th. Now, the venue's been moved from the Electric Ballroom to the Garage. In truth, the Electric Ballroom was always a bit of a stretch. It's, I think, capacity 1600 or 1800, which is a bit beyond our means. But as you can hear, my voice is indeed a bit stretched. It's been quite strange, um, but very rewarding. And let's be frank with one simple word, great, to be back in the rehearsal room, rehearsing all those songs um, from all the albums, from all the history, from all the decades, all those kind of things. It really felt just like um, putting the gloves back on and getting back in the ring as if no time had passed. But yet also the last, well, 20 months, I think for most musicians has felt like a long, long time. Very paradoxically, it's felt like uh, no time at all, but also like a decade has gone by. Quite what it will be like to stand on the stage again. I am not really too sure. Um, I cannot guarantee that I will be emotional, but maybe I will. 
Anyway, episode 71, what are we going to talk about? It feels like it's been a while since we discussed a few things, a few this and that. A lot's been happening and not happening in the world. So let's try and talk a bit about a bit. Um, a bit about of it. Yes, indeed. Um, so the, well, I should say that the uh, venue for Resurgence Festival has been moved to the garage, which I suppose is a much more apt size. It's down in Highbury. So if you're in London, yep, come on down to it. There is, I think, um, an understandable hesitancy among people because, well, the rules and restrictions just keep changing so arbitrarily that many people, I imagine, are holding off buying tickets for anything until the very day it happens because, well, they just feel uh, pulled from one um, port to another uh, and they don't really know how, how they will feel that day let alone what the restrictions may be so I pre think there is quite a lot of hesitancy which of course makes things quite difficult for promoters to really factor in and organise things the UK as you may have noticed is pushing on ahead bloodstock happened um, I suppose we should really talk about the um, the fact that festivals have been back in some countries, some countries definitely not, but we've all been sort of warmed, um, heartwarmed by, it's been heartwarming indeed to see, for example, Alcatraz Festival in Belgium, uh, the um, Bloodstock coming back, our very own Johnny King from Dread Sovereign, and Conan um, sent me some great videos of his performance at Bloodstock, and it was really uh, um, great to see um, so many people being allowed to be human once again with each other um, without masks, without restrictions. OK, of course, you're going to have to have your test at the door and all that kind of thing. But other than that, in you go. And it seems quite strange considering at the beginning of this whole um, emergency that the UK was being lambasted by other countries. But now it seems to be the country that is forging ahead with giving people back some semblance of their um, human rights, so to say. I mean, look, my position on all of this is pretty clear. Uh, once the percentage of risk category were vaccinated, people should have been allowed back to more of their lives. But this does not seem to be the case. We have seen that um, in Holland, things have moved back again a month. In Ireland, well, look, Ireland, particularly Dublin, is, I think, a done deal. The goose is cooked and been thrown in the bin um, our government has gone on holidays till the mid of September. Um, the one main open air festival and hope, I think, for the entertainment and music industry was cancelled by the local council, um, despite their claims that the local um, population was elderly. Well, surely that was the purpose of vaccination, right? You would have thought so. But anyway, it laid down a rather significant and grim signpost. Um, I think, for culture in the country, which was um, the government abdicate the responsibility and leave it to the local council who decide no. Not really realising what a signifier that is for the country and what, um, I suppose, a sign of relative hope it would have given for anyone who wishes to um, partake in some form of social society or musical culture. They just went, nope. And... I think, realistically, nothing is going to happen in my city. If you're lucky enough to have something happening in your city, well, embrace it and get out there and go and see it because the hesitancy involved in taking part, I understand. 
But if people don't come out for the few things that are allowed to happen, then they may not happen again. And that's kind of what I want to address. Of course, you were going to expect me to put a slightly negative slant on what's been happening. But although the scenes from Alcatraz, uh, Bloodstock and um, I suppose the brutal assault, the slightly scaled down brutal assault, were very heartwarming and really uh, it made me really happy to see so many uh, bands out there posting the, um, the rather um, usual uh, amazing to be back stepping on stage after 20 months. I mean, there was also the Beyond the Gates smaller scale down festival and really great to see so many friends and people out there. Made me a teeny bit jealous to be able to get out there and tread the boards again and get out there and play music. It kind of made me wonder um, a little bit about the fact that, well, I suppose it's been easier to frame because the weather in Ireland has been so terrible. It's been very often like November. And as I said, once um, uh, Electric Picnic, which, I mean, let's be honest, it has never had any metal or rock band, so it's little to do with me. But the fact that it was cancelled did um, affect me. And I, like I said, it was a very negative signifier for the state of uh, social culture within the country. Um, but what it did kind of say was, summer's over, guys. Um, and on those terms, we now have to turn our attention to will people be allowed indoors to gigs? And um, I suppose it would have been uh, unrealistic of you to expect me to have positive uh, impressions of that. But that's why you're here. The podcast is called Agitators Anonymous, is it not? And you've had 70 episodes of my rather pessimistic worldview. But that's to be expected, right? Well... Speaking of the goose being cooked, um, it looks like possibly um, that Irish Social Society may indeed be, um, I'm not sure, maybe incinerated, could it be, once you leave something um, cooking for a little bit too long, or maybe even after the bin, thrown in the landfill. What am I talking about? Well, I suppose... Often what I do when I record the podcast is sometimes I go all the way through uh, in one off-the-cuff rant for an hour. Sometimes I do a bit, have a little think, do another bit. Sometimes I make a few edits, not usually very many, but sometimes I record it and then I go off and do something. In this case, go and play football or get kicked by other men in shorts however way you want to look at it. But then sometimes something happens and I have to go back and interject and Seeing as we've been discussing uh, festivals and live music for the last few weeks, and specifically that's what this podcast is about, it seems like I had to, shall we say, interject with a little piece of um, something of an update. Breaking news, I suppose you could say it. Or rather, just open Channel 2 of Garage Band and interject more bullshit. But it would seem that um, some kind of emergency government meeting happened in Ireland and it would look like, it's quite odd actually, um, a tweet leaked by Mary Coughlin, who's an old Irish singer from the 1980s, um, sort of bluesy singer. Oddly enough, I went to school with her daughter and have been in her house since the 1980s. Um, says, it has already been leaked to media ahead of meeting this Zoom meeting, uh, no indoor gigs till April 2022, which, oddly enough, um, ties in with pretty much my predictions of doom over the whole week of the arguments that I've been having with people um, who've been going, surely they're going to open society back up. Surely they're going to make 
um, come on, Alan, really, seriously, you can't be expecting a whole winter of this. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of going to be how it is. So if the timeline on this discussion seems a little bit odd, it's because I've interjected this piece before the following piece after, afterwards. But yeah, this is pretty much where Ireland is now. Um, well, let's just say for the moment it's a rumour, but it looks like it's on the cards. And I can assume that if that's correct, that it's not till April 22, 2022, well, who knows what might happen between now and then. Don't forget, we were told three weeks to flatten the curve. And here we are um, with live music looking at going, looking at almost, well, over two years of non-existence. And let's be honest, um, there's some there's some point within that timeline where it just becomes a circuit breaker, where it ceases to exist. I mean, what venue is really going to be able to hold out for another eight months with um, no gigs, no revenue, and what bands are going to come here? What bands are going to, um, what musicians here are going to still be able to exist? My good friend Brian from Rack and Ruin, shout out to Brian, uh, was playing a small show tonight to 35 invited people, and it was funded by the state. Um, a sit down kind of, well, we've had some strange rules. Uh, one politician here broke um, some sort of. Um, some sort of law by having a private party you know the way one rule for me one rule for thee and they said that um, you know gigs of 200 people outdoors are allowed which of course is not much help in a residential built up area or a big city like Dublin which doesn't really have the space or will for that Um, but for musicians like my friend Brian who um, and others who you know um, populate the pubs of Ireland you'll know if you've come here as a tourist what you like is the crack and the trad in the corner and the singing and the dancing no more no more this really seems if this is true that this is going to be upheld until next April this will be another eight months without any musicians being able to play being able to make any money um, of course no venues being able to open why would anybody stay what musicians would stay here what people involved um, not just musicians but um People working in the arts and entertainment industry, um, everything from light riggers to sound people to um, just theatres themselves, booking agents, whoever it may be. But yeah, musicians, performers, artists. Um, This is the first part of society that has literally just been given the axe. And um, if it's true that nothing comes back for another eight months, I would find it very hard to know how and when it may come back. Um, speaking from a city that is literally um, empty at midnight, which has no late night social society, no arts or culture, no um, really public um, expressions of, I suppose, what all of you over the years have come to expect from Irish culture, which is, ah, well, it is that pub culture, the crack, the hustle, the bustle, the storytelling, the music, all those kind of things. Eight more months of lockdown will, I think, effectively be a circuit breaker to Irish social society. And unfortunately, it is pretty much exactly what I've been saying and documenting here on the podcast. And it gives me no pleasure to say I told you so because nobody really wants this um, this much doom and gloom. But certainly, as I'm about to talk a little bit uh, later on in the podcast, once Electric Picnic um, was cancelled by the local council, I think the writing was on the cards. You took a look outside and saw heavy black clouds and rain while the rest of Europe was in sunshine. You thought, nah, this is where we are now. Um, So 
just a little sort of update on those terms. And I suppose then we go back to the rest of the podcast and I'll try and make it a little bit seamless. But I just thought it was a good idea to just interject that because by now it really must be clear that um, there is more to all of this than simply um, a health crisis. There has to be. You have to see now that um, even when they said, you know, once we've vaccinated the risk category, there will be a return to mm, some form of normal life. Well, this is a society which basically now has decided that there is no um, outlet for the metrics by which we uh, understood standard of living. Um, this is now just a society that it, it pretty much reminds me of Dublin in 1986 or 87, 88, 89, rough, tough on the streets, people having a few pints over at 12. That's it. Bye bye now, second world. Um, so that's just a little sort of interjection of doom and gloom for you in episode 71. But what did you expect? It's called Agitators Anonymous. Indeed. And if I'm wrong, well, so be it. I am wrong. And, you know, I will admit it so um, that I jumped the gun with that little piece of info. But I just thought that if I wasn't, it would be too good to not really discuss in the podcast. It seems to me that um, we might end up with some strange situation. I suppose it's because I work within the industry as a booking agent over at Dragon Productions in Germany. It's been pretty clear that most European tours are now being cancelled and removed to one year back. Um, so most of the tours and the gigs that you see advertised uh, from September onwards, I think most of them will be cancelled. Um, especially tours where people are going from border to border. Take, for example, Alcatraz Festival, which happened. And I saw many great pictures. Lots of my friends from Metalblade and other people were there um, enjoying themselves, watching bands. But yet Holland is closed. The Barug Open Air on uh, September the uh, 15th or 14th is closed. Uh, Holland just shut Social Society once again. It seems to be the thing that they just shut at will every time um, they uh, you know, discuss cases or whatever. Um, and so you have this really strange situation that one country right next to the other is allowed to uh, reopen and have a festival and the other is shut down. Again, um, as citizens of the EU, we've been constantly told, I suppose, since the 1980s, how um, you know much citizens of Europe we are, of European Union, about cross-border cooperation. But one thing the pandemic has proved is that all countries are just moving at their own speed with their own arbitrary laws. Doesn't it quite seem to you that rich northern countries have maybe acted a little bit more hysterically than perhaps ones in Eastern Europe and Southern Europe? Hmm, possibly. At least countries who have the money to just keep endlessly furloughing people and paying out welfare. So do we discuss the wino statement? Wino from the obsessed, Spirit Caravan, St. Vitus fame, um, has made a statement about Psycho Las Vegas. Um, I can read some of it and we can maybe have a little mull over it. Two evenings ago I received an email from Psycho Las Vegas wherein they inform me and other artists that this event will require that all people and attendees, artists, wear masks at all times indoors. The exception only being while singing on stage, all non-singing musicians, band members, etc. are required to be masked during the performance. This includes drummers. Also, as soon as the performance is over, artists will be required to redon masks in backstage, front of house, VIP lounges and common areas. Um, yeah, this I have heard all right 
about the new mask mandates that are coming in in Las Vegas. They seem, again, very arbitrary. Some states are not doing it, as I will go on to talk about. Um, I've just been in some Balkan countries where I literally got mocked for wearing a mask into a shop in Hungary. Uh, two hip-hop guys just sort of laughed at me. And there you go. Seems to be the Balkan or uh, Slavic, Southern, Eastern European attitude. Um, and yeah, being a drummer, having to play with a mask on, this is a pretty horrible situation. Um, and the whole Psycho Las Vegas thing kind of unwinds a bit. I mean, um, they had to cancel all of the European bands because they just weren't allowed. They weren't granted work permits as I um, or work visas, as I understand. And yeah, this is the kind of thing that now is going to be happening very arbitrarily. The total difference between playing one state to playing the next. Now, I, Wino goes on to say um, some stuff. You know, he's dug very deep when researching COVID, not just on YouTube, but in scientific publications, journals, lectures, etc. He believes the virus exists in big letters and has been weaponized, has been proven in congressional hearings where evidence is overwhelming. He then goes on to kind of... Um, discuss the CDC PCR tests um, all sorts of things you can go and find his own statement I'm not going to read out his entire statement but what's clear is that a growing number of people are well I don't know if we could say waking up but certainly a growing number of people are really beginning to wonder what the F is going on um, he'd you know he says also the Innova rapid tests have been recalled by the FDA for giving inaccurate results. Mainstream media did not report this and these tests are still in use, etc., etc. Um, I cannot in good conscience perform music in an environment that is designed to take away individuality, civil liberties and free will. I will not be performing this night at Psycho Las Vegas, not out of fear, but principle which I respect. Um, if we, the people, continue to blindly accept this tyranny, we are destined for enslavement. These are my personal views, but I urge everyone to dig deep. My apologies to my friends and fans, but it's time to wake up. Why no? Um, why no from Spirit Caravan, the obsessed? You can go and read his statement. And I think this is going to be one of the um, lines that are going to be drawn between society. And it's going to be a it's classic divide and conquer, really, when you think about it how the authorities and institutions of state, pharma and governance have managed to create this environment where um, we will literally have a sort of apartheid social society, the haves and the have-nots, um, with those uh, with the um, required passport and entry having access to things other people aren't. Um, and quite how this is going to affect the music industry, I mean, really, it could be a complete disaster but I thought I should mention the wino statement things we're talking about festivals and that psycho Las Vegas is coming up this weekend and what a strange thing it's going to be to have um, a brand new mask mandate where everybody is going to have to be wearing them at all times what a strange feeling to stand out on stage and look at a masked crowd I'm not really sure how that would be maybe I'm going to experience it sometime over the next year um, and can actually report on it in person but it's certainly worth having a look at Wino's statement um, because I think there's a there's no I can sense within the artistic music industry everything you want to call it entertainment whatever you want to call it industry the realization that um, the the statement or the observation that we were going to be the last out it might be becoming clear that you might not be getting out of the pen at all. 
But God damn it, what's happening in Australia and New Zealand? New Zealand shut down over one case. One case. Australia are building uh, what seems to look like um, forms of um, health internment camps. They're not allowing people to leave the country. Uh, speaking to people there, they're very uh, afraid that things are veering into some form of biomedical security state. I don't know. Hard to say. Some people say one thing. Some people say the other. Um, certainly within the Anglosphere, as in countries that speak English, Australia, New Zealand, Canada and Ireland, um, we could quite easily point to, and Scotland actually as well, as having a, at least in my opinion, um, hysterical overreaction to what's happening. Some of the footage coming to me from friends in Canada is also very worrying as we teeter on the edge of authoritarianism or as my friend said, a biomedical security state. Well, anyway, back to the festivals. As I said, it was great to see many friends um, across the world trying to regain some sense of normality, people within the crowds. Of course, Obscene Extreme happened. I posted about that. Like I said, leave your negative test at the door and in you go. No cops, no police, um, no masks, etc. People just trying to get on with a little semblance of life. But like I said, I have a feeling somehow that we may end up with a form of um, restricted festival culture, but indoor touring culture is going to be a little bit more difficult as governments really balk at the idea of loosening the reins and allowing people back inside. Certainly, as I said, in my own city, Dublin, it feels like a done deal. Um, the abdication of responsibility for a roadmap out of this situation to allow people some form of social society, some musical culture, any kind of culture, really, um, seems to be non-existent. Maybe you are feeling the same in your city, uh, wherever it may be, or a form, a percentage of something similar. I often think in percentages, I suppose, because I'm somewhere or other on the spectrum. Um, I think of my think of things like, well, we are 71 percent um, within, shall we say, um, negative cultural um, debt, something like this. So I suppose you would want to assess how things are really moving and happening within your own city. Mine, yep, feels like it's a done deal, my friends. I cannot see them opening nightclubs. I can't see them um, allowing music back. It's just going to be whatever variant uh, with whatever name is going to be used um, to as justification for not opening these things. Now, look, if you've been following the podcast for 70 episodes, you will understand clearly where my position on these things lies. And that is that absolute power corrupts absolutely, doesn't it? And the simple fact, as I stated many times over in the podcast, is that if you hand over every single, well, let me say, in the history of any nation, city, state, fiefdom, or um anything really, uh, institution, if you handle over, well, institution is the wrong word, if you were to hand over every single liberty and freedom um, within, within, as I said, the history of any nation, city, state, um, and expect them all handed back to you a year or two later, that's just not how power works. And the idea that it is, is naive. Of course, as I've said before, there is a no real element of I told you so to the podcast when I discussed in episode one, biometric electronic passports. That's not really what the podcast was about. But certainly it feels as if the um, 
the outpouring of joy that followed some of these great scenes at festivals might now be tempered with um, the usual bureaucratic confusion and unwillingness, as I said, to let go of the reins of social society and allow people back out. Now, of course, my DMs will be filled up with people shouting at me going, yes, that's the point. That's the purpose. The great reset, the blah, 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 blah. And hey, look, I've addressed all those things in um, other podcasts. And again, as I said, to a percentage, you might be right. I suppose the actual um, definition of, well, as I said before, that some people have misunderstood the um, meaning of science. They say to me, follow the science that was done last March in haste and propaganda. And you go, well, science updates itself. That's the whole purpose. It's not always just, it's not a monolith of um, one uh, truth that never moves on. Of course, it should move on because of um, the uh, examination of new empirical data. Bloody, 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 blah. What am I talking about? Yeah. So, without wanting to be the wet blanket thrown on top of our um, limited joy at festivals coming back, it does make me wonder how um, those rules are going to be applied to people being allowed inside. Now, of course, um, theoretically, could just be as simple as, um, or should be as simple as just antigen tests, your vaccine passport, your whatever it is, okay, in you go, mingle, there's your music, etc. But it just doesn't quite feel like that that's going to be allowed. And of course, um, and that's before we really get into the moral implications of what is literally a two-tier society. Um, I haven't really discussed the morality of that, I suppose, but maybe for another podcast. Touring is going to be made pretty difficult, if not impossible, because country to country, the rules are so vastly different. Like I said, you could be in a van playing two days in Belgium and you're going, hey, this is going pretty good. Cross the border into Holland, gone, cancelled. And of course, um, you can't plan anything if those are the rules. You cannot um, you cannot afford a day off if you're on a shoestring. And also, as I said, the hesitancy about people showing up to small places where they're packed in with other people. Um, it's very hard to say, but I have a feeling that for the next, well, let's put it like this way, this autumn and this winter, I think we're going to see um, a slew of cancellations across the live music industry and the booking industry. Some huge bands will survive. They'll find a way around it. They'll do some form of limited capacity. Very small bands will be able to survive probably as well because, let's be honest, nobody really goes to see them. So 40, 50 people in a venue that takes two, 300 can work. I think what's going to happen is a form of localization. Festivals are going to be persuaded and whether it's through a carbon imprint flight um, cap on bringing in foreign artists, which of course will be a disaster for most festivals, and touring, and let's be honest, a band like my own, which has to get off the rock to play. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen yet, but it could be on the cards, seeing as everybody just discusses climate all of the time right now. That's another discussion for another podcast, because I understand it's such a hot-button issue that people get very emotional about. Um, so I'll leave that on the shelf for a moment. But I think what might happen is a form of um, summer festival culture with restrictions because, simply put, it's outdoors. And um, the governments and states and institutions can't quite roof the outdoors just yet. Um, so people will be allowed uh, as in percentages to go outdoors. Now, as I said, to what how this 
affects indoor touring culture or being able to play indoors well it remains to be seen but I can see problems I can see problems with that um, because like I said the different countries are moving at completely different speeds having just done a little bit of travelling I could make a comparison to you um, for example Croatia um, Croatia and Ireland uh, it's night and day when it comes to uh, the situation that we're in you would almost think there was no pandemic in Croatia but what about the cases what about your grandmother I hear you cry well Let's be truthful. Originally, when all of this started, it was about deaths and hospitalizations. Cases were cases. Um, but you will have noticed across most countries, things are now framed in terms of cases. But what does that actually mean? Well, you know, the narrative has changed since the beginning of this when it was um, something more fatal. So I don't know Croatia's case study. Um, you can look that up for yourself. I'm merely using this as a comparison from one country to another. Um, Croatia, you would hardly notice anything is happening. There are no signs. There are no posters. You wear a mask in the grocery store. Nothing in the street. Um, you don't need it to go into museums. You don't need it to go uh, really anywhere. You're allowed into bars, um, as I um, frequented the odd time. There is literally no hysteria. Now, OK, there's Croatian flags everywhere, which I suppose is a signifier of something else. Um and that is that um, it strikes me that, for example, when I was on my uh, little trip around the Balkans, you have here um, an area of Europe which in the 1990s um, had a war. Um, before that was occupied by communism, by, you know, a form of tyranny from um, after the Second World War um, and a little bit after that. Um, and so... The people there, you know, without being, um, I suppose, flippant or um, over the top, just seem a little bit hardier. Um, Hungarians compared to uh, Irish people. They have an understanding of what I think, maybe, you know, maybe I'm being romantic about this and maybe it suits my argument. But I think I sense in those countries people have a have more of a handle and understanding on what freedom and liberty means. Um, because in living memory, they've had it taken away from them. Um, or they've had it restored once the fall of the of communism. Um, and they are very, uh, I think, much more tuned into um, negating the idea that uh, a massive state apparatus tells them exactly what to do. Open the window, shut the window, don't hug your grandmother, do hug your grandmother. You can't dance at a wedding. Yes, you can't dance at a wedding. We're going to ban music indoors, etc., etc. Endless nanny statism, for example... Uh, that is exemplified by living in Ireland right now to the point that almost every uh, small decision is micromanaged by some element, bureaucratic element of state. Um, and so the, the, the comparisons were stark. C Croatians are just getting on with life. And they've also had like um, this year um, an earthquake to deal with as well. But they're getting on with life. The people there, it feels to me, are not going to be told by their state and government constantly bombarded every time you go into a shop with information coming from the speakers beware but be scared stand apart etc 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 and there aren't posters and signs everywhere um, there isn't just a constant visual um, optical bombardment um, which I think is of course a very persuasive element of propaganda it always has been everywhere you look in Ireland everywhere on the ground on the floor in the tram 
on the Lewis, on the train. Um, take off your headphones for a moment and you will hear a radio message. Uh, every shop, this is designed to keep you safe. It's literally relentless. And then, of course, add to that the fact that, um, uh, you know, the tensions on the street that are caused by this element of constant restriction on social society. Dublin is going back to the 80s. It's very violent. It's very aggressive. There's gangs of young fellas fighting in the streets. There's no late society. There's no culture. There's no art. There's no there's nothing. Um, and so once you take these things from people, you are creating this more um, an uncivilized element of society are going to. Well, I mean, like if you make the city derelict, it will be taken over by derelicts. Now, some people have objected to my use of the word derelict, but I would tell them, take a walk around the city and tell me how many of the shops, bars, restaurants are actually reopening when the threat of further restrictions hangs over them. Why would you open a bar? Why would you put money into it? So people have balked at my use of the word derelict. Now, of course, it's true that sometimes I overemphasize words for dramatic effect, but that's my podcast. I can do that, right? Um, but of course there is a great percentage of truth within those words you know um, derelict is a nicer word than sure closed do you know what I mean but that's the point um, so the comparisons are stark between um, you know something like Serbia or Croatia um, especially as I said I just happened to be talking about it about Croatia tourists are back of course, there's warm weather. People are able to sit outside. Makes a very big difference. So everywhere was just French, German. Um, I heard lots of Dutch tourists. I heard lots of Scandinavian voices. No English and Irish voices, really. But it is just really interesting to really consider because you, of course, are captive to your own, um, your own media in your own country. I think people still underestimate how much how much the headlines of the local newspaper and the radio and the local um, news still captures a great percentage of people. It's not all about everyone reading Twitter timeline for um, for their news because let's be honest, most of the most of the most of civil society isn't looking at Twitter all day. It's something that people who are in media and tech um, and I suppose this new emergent tech middle class assume everybody is privy to uh, constant updates all of the time and is all looking at the front. A lot of people aren't. And they get their messaging from picking up the um, the news of the world or the sun or whatever. Now, of course, those, those papers r have realised very clearly in the pandemic that um, scaring people sells more copy. And so that's their business. So, of course, if it bleeds, it leads. Disaster sells more. Disaster capitalism, as they say. Um, and so the difference between one country another is stark how this will affect the music industry i think is pretty clear um it might just be as i said that um certain countries will move towards a relatively unrestricted outdoor festival culture and maybe have some form of indoor um gigs with capacity reductions i don't know some places are just allowing things to happen um the the amount of examples there are when it comes to analysing statistics for all these things is there in spades for governments to examine if they want but of course we realise that um, they won't examine what they don't want to we had our very own health minister um, you know refusing to take some of the statistics from uh, an outdoor event that was held literally across the road from where I live don't come and hunt me down so 
while it was amazing to see people back at festivals, it does make me wonder, are those going to be um, the uh, just short-lived as we return back to a form of where things are? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, really. Um, so that's kind of the general theme of the podcast, I suppose. A little bit of a ramble. Um, I did want to talk about Afghanistan. Um, I think that what I will do is having a few years ago done quite a bit of study uh, about Afghanistan. I'll try and do a podcast about the history of Afghanistan because um, what happened is just history repeating itself. It happened in 1838, I think, in 18, or 1841. Um more or less exactly the same way. And the history of Afghanistan is really, really fascinating. So I might take a deep dive into that. But there's sort of something I thought I should address within the podcast because there's been gossiping and rumours and this and that and the other. And that is really just about maybe something I should leave on the shelf and not discuss. But that is really about vaccination. And I suppose the fact that... um, whether I like it or not. Some people who don't really listen to the podcast claim the podcast is about one thing and other people who also don't seem to listen to it claim it's about another thing. And they assume because I've been opposed to uh, lockdown or talking about liberty and freedom and all those kind of stuff and that I am, um, I suppose, uh, anti-authoritarian, um, anti-big government, anti-big state, anti-technocracy, all these kind of things that remove and reduce your um, humanity, your civil liberties. They've Some people have assumed that some of the things that I'm saying within the podcast are anti-vax. Now, they aren't. I never said such a thing. Um, I mean, just a simple example. Um, well, I mean, I find the origins of the, of the whole movement um, dubious and rather ridiculous. I do wonder if the um, origins of the argument somehow seem like an online psyop that's the right word that it was created on a forum um, in order to spread as a you know it's almost like a a flat earth style belief among people um, in order to to divide and conquer people that it somehow has in my head that like somebody sat around and thought you know what we should throw out there is this and then it'll become a thing it'll catch on and then we'll be able to use and use the um, use this um, sort of bunkum theory to our advantage. I might be wrong, but you know, I mean, small spo- smallpox was responsible for three hundred million deaths in the twentieth century. I mean, just a simple examination of everything from measles, mumps, rubella, tetanus, diphtheria, bacterial influenza. Um, the list is you know, polio. The list is endless about things that vaccines have done. So I just want to put that out there. And maybe I shouldn't discuss it because it's pretty boring. But it it seems to me that some people have claimed um, or tried to capture the narrative of the podcast to uh, frame me. What I am opposed to is the element of um, coercion. I'm opposed to the idea that it is uh, the framework around it is being used to... um, to be the, you know, the carrot and stick to people's freedom, uh, liberty. Uh, Of course, the examination of the huge profit margin of Big Pharma. I'm no fan, as I've said many times before in the podcast, of Big Pharma. Um, It's the structure surrounding the nature of this, which is what troubles me. Well, it just seems that people have been perfectly, as I said, divide and conquer, siloed into their sides of the argument and refusal to um, to debate, to try and meet in the middle, also to try and 
somehow apply some rationality to it, which I understand is very difficult because for the last 20 months, everybody's um, everything has just been shredded. Um, it's not normal to only it's not normal to discuss all of these things sitting by yourself in a room. Um, all of the uh, social society that surrounded us and kept us, um, you know, kind, kind of buffered us from the most extreme edges of our own personality have been um, taken away. The idea that maybe you had an idea, the idea that maybe you had an idea, no. Maybe three or four years ago, you could sit, as I said, over a beer and meet a stranger as a difficult opinion and go, or a different opinion and go, yeah, good point, or over at the dinner party, in the bar, um, in the bus, you know, traveling to a gig or, You've really, we've really been, had our circle of um, opposition so reduced and we're all in our, um, siloed into our, um, I suppose you could call them our online communities, which generally are ones that validate our own opinions that agree with us. And so therefore the algorithm feeds us the things it knows that we agree with or outrage us one or the other, because outrage, of course, develops more clicks. It knows it keeps feeding you stuff. If you are anti-woke and feel like the world has been taken over by anarcho-Marxists, then your algorithm is going to poke you with stuff that um, it's going to keep poking you with those Tim Pool videos um, that are telling you that all of these things are happening. Now, of course, you know, there are elements that are, but it's the, it's the ability to sense make that's been removed from us. The idea that you can somehow um, harbor what is a, a relative mis relatively misinformed opinion, um, you know, that maybe several years ago you would have um, been challenged with whether it was as I said in in college or whatever the fact that all these things have been removed and now people are just they're on zoom they're all of the humanity involved in um, updating let's call it using modern vernacular updating your opinion about things being challenged moving along um, all of these things have been removed and so everybody just doubles down on whatever those things might be and I think it's a very dangerous place for society to be whereby um, every single thing is now political. Every motive is examined as such. And um, there is no middle ground to be able to inhabit anymore. In fact, you know, it's made me question the wisdom of even doing something like a podcast. But then again, on my own terms, at least it's impossible for me to explain all of those things. So theoretically, and people shouldn't be able to take it completely out of context, but that's just kind of how it goes. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Wasn't it great to see some bands back playing and treading the boards? And hopefully it's an indicator of something positive, a positive sign that bands and musicians and artists can get back out there and start playing and that you can go and see them and that we can all take part in the communion of um, art, music, and all of the things that we love and dearly want to get back to. Um, like I said, it wouldn't be me without having a few um, reservations about that as we move forward. As I said, as summer is over and the ability to be outside and watch a gig um, becomes impractical. Or else people are going to have to start building huge tents, um, outdoor tents for gigs or just outdoor tents anywhere for gigs and just, um, I suppose, very much like the smoking ban, create an outdoor heated gig area, which has 
you know, like I said, the fourth wall missing, the fourth wall, which has a wall missing, etc., etc. This might be one of the few options that people are going to be able to get around some of these rules and restrictions and actually have gigs. But this is going to take a huge structural move. Um, like I said, when the smoking ban appeared in Ireland, Ireland first was the smoking ban, I think, in 2000. Um, what happened was that um, a lot of pubs had to kind of reinvent an area um, as I said, take out a wall, provide some form of, um, you know, ventilation and um, just sort of structurally move things around. Now, I don't know or I don't think that that's really possible with live music. Of course, then you've got sound complaints and all sorts of other things. It really beggars the question, how are venues going to be able to update with these new rules? Like I said, making a, a venue um, not indoors but not quite outdoors might be a way to circumvent some of the rules and restrictions but of course that presents many other problems so I don't know what can I tell you um, we may be going to be all start to have to we maybe we are all going to have to start playing in tents as we move forward anyway isn't that what Greta wanted okay my friends that's the end of episode 71 it's been a bit of a ramble bit of a rant bit of a discussion on a few things here and there um it had been a while since i had really spoken about what was going on because the last two podcasts were sort of pre-recorded um so hit me up about other things you want me to discuss um and let's just keep moving forward um with the kind of small but growing community we have created here with Agitators Anonymous. The key and clue is in the name, my friends. All right, over and out.